We're pulling out our crystal ball and looking into the future of short-term rentals with Alex Jarbo from Bigger Pockets right here on the Fearless Investor Podcast. If you are serious about building your short-term rental business to $10,000, $20,000, maybe even $30,000 a month or more, you have come to the right place. My name is Kyle Stanley, and this is the Fearless Investor Podcast, where we teach you all things short-term rentals, the best guests, the best tools, the best strategies. There are so many investing paths out there. It can be seriously overwhelming to start out as a new investor, but take it from me, short-term rentals is the best and the quickest way to build your cash flow. So buckle up, listen in, and get ready to conquer the world of short-term rentals. Here we go. Hey team fearless, I just want to take a quick break from this podcast to talk about funding your furnishings. If you're listening to the Fearless Investor podcast, then you probably want to do the Airbnb arbitrage model. Reason being, it's a low barrier of entry, right? $10,000, $15,000, $20,000 to buy furniture with someone else's property. And sure, you can use your own bank account or you can raise the money at a low interest rate from a friend or family member. But wouldn't you rather get that money at 0% interest, aka free money? That's what my friends at Pathway Financial can do for you. Pathway Financial helps people like you get 0% interest credit cards so you don't have to have the financial stress of putting down a ton of money up front for your deals. Think about that for a second. How many arbitrage deals could you do if money was not a concern? Well, that could be the exact possibility with Pathway Financial's help. Get a free quote from them today. Go to fearlesskyle.com forward slash pathway financial to find out how much you can get pre-approved for right now. And don't worry, it won't have any impact on your credit score because it's a soft inquiry. So go once again to fearlesskyle.com forward slash pathway financial and get that free quote. What's up team fearless Kyle Stanley here and we're talking with Alex Jarbo today about the future of short-term rentals and do we know everything? No, we don't. And we're not going to give you any sort of guarantees about what the future is looking like, but we can take what's happened here in the last few years and apply it towards where we think this industry is going. And also, is it viable? Is it something you should get into? Is it something you should keep building on? Or is it something that maybe you start adjusting and looking at other exit strategies? Well, we're going to touch on all of that here right with Alex Jarbo on the Fearless Investor Podcast. Let's get to it. Hey guys, welcome into the Fearless Investor Podcast. Uh, really excited to have Alex Jarbo with Bigger Pockets here. Alex, thanks for taking the time, man. Oh, thanks for having me on, Kyle. Awesome. Well, hey, let's get started with my favorite question. What's your craziest short-term rental story? You've been in the business for a little bit here. Yeah, I would say my craziest one is actually my first one. Our first one that we ever purchased was actually, it was a development product. It was a development. It was a, a 800 square foot A-frame. Um, and the craziest story that came from that was we purchased the land. I didn't know what the heck I was doing. And uh, we needed an electricity easement from the neighbors. And we found that out after we started our, all of our building permits uh, and got our building permits and found out that none of the neighbors wanted to give us that electricity easement. So we pushed through, <laughs> built the entire property. It was like a $200,000 build with a generator. And then we ended up figuring out the electricity issue. But for about nine months, it was like looming over my head that, we were going to have this property built 200 grand plus furnishings and uh, no way to get electricity to it. Oh my gosh. Uh, why did yeah. the neighbors have so much power in that? Uh, it, it was uh, leading up a private driveway and there was no HOA. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. It's, yeah, yeah. it's funny. I, you know, I've asked that question probably over 200 times now and I would say like 50% of the answers are like that 
either that first guest that someone ever hosted or that first deal that you do. So yeah, it's uh, never, never, it's never from like last month or last week. It's like, yeah, it's yeah. from my very first mistake. Yeah. Yeah. You never forget your first. <laughs> the biggest one. Yep. Uh, well, Alex, excited to have you on, man. Um, why don't you just kind of give everyone before we jump in an idea of what your business looks like today uh, yep. from just a real estate and short-term rental perspective. So I've, I've been in development for the last seven years now and just developing unique short-term rentals. Um, I originally served in the Marine Corps for five years. Last day, of my, I was mainly stationed in D.C., part of the Honor Guard uh, in D.C., but literally my last day of the Marine Corps, left from D.C. directly to Asheville, North Carolina, where I live now, and started looking for properties. I got my real estate license when I first came here, and I practiced for about a couple of years was helping people purchase and sell short-term rentals, but I was always looking for something myself. Um, and at that time, everything was either way out of my price range or it was in my price range. It just wouldn't have done well as a short-term rental, maybe as a long-term rental midterm, but not, not okay. like, wasn't anything unique or any type of curb appeal to me uh, for those properties. So our first one was that A-frame that we built, 800 square foot. Um, it was in my budget at that time. You could get a 90% loan. It was like four or 5% interest rate. And um, once we built that one, saw how well it did. One turned into two really quickly, two turned into four, brought on some investor capital from some friends, built uh, three or four more of them, four of them. And then I made the shift uh, two years ago to purchasing and developing larger projects in the seven to 20 range. Um, and today, as we're talking, we're either developing, purchasing, or managing over $30 million uh, wow. worth of unique short-term rentals. Yep. Which That's I've actually awesome. never said on publicly on a podcast. The, the first year. I've said ten million before last year, but never never thirty million. Wow! So has there been that much growth over the last year that it's taken it from ten to thirty? Yeah, I, I would say just a couple projects that we acquired pushed cool. us over those those limits, um, especially the the one that we're going to be closing on in a couple months here. But yeah, that it's it's been an exponential growth, and with that has also come some growing pains on understanding hospitality in general. Um, and essentially running a boutique, a scattered boutique hotel is what I call it. Um, it's just under like going to different, understanding the other platforms outside of just Airbnb and VRBO. So $30 million, some of that is being developed though right now. How many do you currently have that are operating and where are they located? Yeah, they're all located here in uh, the county of Asheville because in the city of Asheville, you, you can't do short-term rentals. So you can't okay. even get a license for them. Um, so we've always operated within a 15 minute radius of downtown and we've always gotten the the appropriate permits for those. So right now we have 16 unique rentals. They range from 400 square foot all the way up to $2 million luxury rentals. And then we're going to be bringing on another 20 and then we're developing another 16 right now. Awesome. There's so many questions I want to ask about, especially you mentioned being in the city is not allowed, but the county is allowed. A couple questions come to mind for me on that. But before we do, I just want to back up a little bit. So you were before getting into real estate, serving in the Marine Corps. Were you doing anything before that? Was there any other jobs that you ever held before getting into real estate? So, yeah, I didn't I didn't have a um, I decided to join the Marine Corps when I was 16 uh, signed. My parents had signed for me when I was 17 because um, I asked them to. And then literally, I didn't even have a weekend uh or I didn't even have a summer vacation when I turned 18. I went to boot camp the week I graduated. Yeah, so I didn't I didn't wow. do anything prior to that. I was a Marine Corps infantryman by trade, selected to be a part of the honor guard there in DC. 
Um, and then I just, um, I, I picked up real estate my last year in the Marine Corps, um, just reading all the bigger pockets books, all the single, like just long-term rental books and, and flipping books and stuff. My last year when I decided I didn't want to stay in, joined a, a flipping mentorship, uh, like while I was still in the Marine Corps. And uh, what I, the gentleman that was in charge of that flipping mentorship, he had said like during like a, at the time it was like over the phone calls, uh, like it was like group coaching, but over the phone. Uh, and he had, he had mentioned, this was back in 2015, that all of his, most of his long-term wealth, all the, his holds were actually short-term rentals. That's back in 2015. 2015, um, yeah. So he, yeah, yeah. And so he was, he was mainly, most of his rentals were in Gatlinburg at the time. And uh, that really piqued my interest because it was, it was consistent cash flow is what he was talking about, like flipping properties to get to that point. And I just, I wanted to just get to that point without the, the flipping part. Um, so yeah, I didn't really have a job before then, before the Marine Corps. I just, I went straight from Marine Corps, high school Marine Corps to real estate. Yeah. That's awesome. And man. then I, I, mean, I have my degrees in between there and stuff, but like, yeah, for the most part. Is, is it crazy that like you started with listening and digesting things on bigger pockets and now you are one of the guys at bigger pockets? Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty nuts, man. I mean, it's still pretty hard to believe. Like I don't, I don't track any of the numbers. I'll, I'll comment on the stuff on my articles and stuff, but like, I don't, I don't go out and I, they, they tell me like what my articles do in terms of reading, like how many people have read them and stuff, which is still mind blowing, but it, it's pretty cool to be interacting with, uh, like a lot of the authors as well, like David Green and, and Paul yeah. Moore, which Paul Moore is the reason why I'm a part of bigger pockets. Cause he had made that intro. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, we just had Henry on our show a couple of weeks ago. So, you yeah. know, big, yeah, yeah. the Bigger Pockets coaching community seems to have gotten uh, a lot bigger. So it's cool to see that uh, that you're part of that, man. And, and uh, you know, we also had Brian Page on here. And I know you're doing a few things with Brian. So before we get into more about what you're doing with uh, with your portfolio, how did that come about? I was one of the students, man, back in 2016. <laughs> I think, yeah, when, yeah, it's, a, yeah, it's funny. It's, I, I guess that that's always been the route for me. But, uh, I think he launched BNB Formula to late 2016. I was one of the, not, I'm not going to say one of the first students, but I had listened to him on the Mike Dillard podcast when I was, I think here, or maybe I was still in the Marine Corps. And uh, yeah, I just, I was one of his students when his core, I mean, I've said this before, when, when his core, he has a coaching program now, but when it was just yeah. a course, I think the course was a thousand bucks and it was like, it was fed and drip where it was like, it was like eight weeks you finish the week you can't go on to the next week until you you did that piece and i i uh and then i had reached out i did a big podcast push last year when we were doing uh raising capital for our other deals and uh i had reached out to him because he he had a podcast so i'm like hey man i was i'm a student of yours uh i'd love to hop on your podcast this is what i'm working on and he's like it's like i've actually put the podcast on hold but he's like do you want i'm actually looking he's like i've launched the coaching uh, side of the business do you want to be one of the coaches we only have like three coaches so that slowly evolved into a really good friendship and over the last that was march of last year and i mean i've been putting in about two to three hours a week just for his community and whatnot i mean they have a their facebook community i think is touching like when i checked this morning it was like six thousand members so that's it's a that's a very deep network there yeah well all I can think of is uh, the the ad that always pops up whenever I go on Facebook and him being on Grant Cardone one. Grant Cardone, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're talking yeah, serious we talk, money. We, talk yeah. about that <laughs> we actually just uh, we we just refilmed the and so um, he lives in Charleston and he flew the seven coaches out and we just nice. refilmed the entire coaching program. So oh, that's awesome. It that's another thing that you just asked about the bigger pockets thing. Very weird to that the his course is the one of the reasons why I got into short term rentals. Yeah. Now I'm one of the coaches 
teaching one of the sections in the in the program is pretty nuts. Yeah, like we did it in a studio and everything. Yeah. Full circle, man. That's crazy. But you know, with him, he's talking a lot about arbitrage, and and you basically mentioned that you're pretty much doing development and owning. Do you have any arbitrage at all in your no, portfolio? No, I, all my arbitrage units went away during COVID. I mean, just like any other okay. blades. They, they didn't go away because of COVID. My owners sold the properties because property value oh, okay. doubled in our area and it didn't make any sense to hold on to them. So I had five arbitrage units at that time and I had that A-frame uh, and I was building. Wow. I was in the middle of finishing building two more and starting two more. So I was already in that transition from going from arbitrage into development and COVID just accelerated that times 20. So knowing that you were still doing developing what was the value that you saw in arbitrage back then it was the it was the quick cash flow man yeah. um it's it, i mean that that is i don't recommend people getting directly into development or even purchasing i mean arbitrage is the fastest way to get into real estate not even just short-term rentals in my opinion there's there's no other instead of purchasing a property for a long-term rental you can sign a lease with an owner and just get into the property. As long as you've done your numbers correctly, you can start cash flowing from month one or two. A lot of people, you know, we're even doing Q and A's in this group uh, for our six figure formula. A lot of people are asking me, you know, Hey, what are you doing now that arbitrage is dying? And you know, my response is it's not dying. It's just that instead of there being 10 out of 10 deals that you look at on Zillow, like you did in 2020 and 2021, it's now, five out of 10 or four out of 10, there's still money to be made. How do you see it? Is, is there still great opportunity? How would you kind of evaluate the opportunity of arbitrage today? Yeah. So I, I'm not going to say gone are the days of like, just like the, the say the last, like the biggest shift that has happened in the, the arbitrage world is just like, I'm just going to get this random single wide or whatever, this random property. I'm just going to list it on Airbnb and it's just going to start cash flowing from day one. Now you actually have to do your homework on the deal. You actually have to underwrite it properly. You actually have to look at the market. You have to look at the area. So stuff like that, going multi-platform is another important part to that compared to just throwing it on Airbnb. But we were just talking about before we went live, like just going, like treating it like a business. You're not you're not in Airbnbs. Like when when, when people ask you, what business are you? And you shouldn't be saying I'm in Airbnbs. You, you own a vacation rental company. You own a hospitality company. Um, so yeah, I mean, they're, there are always going to be those people that are saying this is dead, this is dead. And usually those are the people that their business is struggling where they didn't do their homework to start with. Yeah. So that's where I think we can kind of transition here. When you talk about this, you know, big shift that's coming and especially when you look at the, the importance of someone needing to know how they're underwriting deals, how to be able to evaluate the property properly. What do you see that's already happened up until now that shifted since the day that you started? Yeah, so just, I, going, I just going to present day here. Yeah, it's it, it's it's the people are going people are using property management software as PMSs and then going multi-platform. That's the biggest shift that's happened in BMB Formula Brian's group is that when it first started, he never touched on any of the other platforms compared to now. You have to look at Airbnb. I've always said this, though. I've said this the last couple of years. Airbnb is just a marketing channel. It, it, it is where the eyeballs are at. So find other channels where other eyeballs are at. So that's been the biggest shift that I've seen is we've pushed our students to go multi-platform. I've pushed students or I've pushed people on the bigger pockets articles to go multi-platform and to choose a PMS and go from there. Still start with just one PMS or start with just one booking channel. 
so you're not getting overwhelmed but like understand that like the progression to get into different ones and then also actually designing like get caring about the interior design of the property and actually like making sure that it has good curb appeal is very important because the as we know it doesn't matter if you're in development if you're purchasing if you're doing rental arbitrage those pictures sell the property that that is yeah. what especially now with airbnb changing getting rid of titles or at least not making titles as important as they used to be pictures are what sell your property so just making sure that it has curb appeal on the inside and outside is very important too so going outside of the the teaching to students i'm i'm wanting to know what's been different in your business what are the trends that you've seen with the properties that you have in your portfolio like you know freddie mentioned here in the comments that he's seen shorter lead times on bookings. Uh, some people have talked about lower occupancy, lower rates, having to upgrade their properties. What are the things that you've seen that you've either had to adjust to yeah. or that, you know, just straight up results that are different from a couple of years ago? Yeah, I love this question, man. And I've, I've avoided asking, uh, answering this question in the past or writing on it because I didn't want to seem like I was like bragging and just saying like, blah, 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 like the business has gotten so big. But the biggest shift in my business has been the switch to like, I call them micro resorts is like the seven units that are the cabin communities that are together or like the, the community that we're uh, purchasing in uh, the next uh, couple months, the 20 units. Nice. That's been the biggest shift, man, is that when you start going into the micro resort community, uh, like micro resort area, or you have like more than three, four, five properties, you're able to get these properties onto like a booking channel like Expedia. And Expedia is massive. I mean, Expedia owns VRBO and it also owns 10 to 15 other channels. So you're exposed on that side. And also when it comes to regulations, because that is a question that's always been that that has always been a topic since before I started is the the regulations just keep getting stricter i mean hawaii had completely banned short-term rentals this year i believe and um when you start doing these larger properties the the regulations actually do get easier where we're like the property that we're purchasing in a couple months it has indefinite conditional use zoning from the county some of the coaches that i coach with in bmb formula have gone out and gotten hotel permits on some of the multi-family uh, deals that they do so the biggest shift in my business has been focusing on these larger uh, cabin communities or like yeah. micro resort communities, um, because there's also economies of scale there when it comes to like paying a cleaning company. It's way cheaper to send someone out to claim three properties than it is one that would say it's like six properties that are scattered throughout the county or through the market. So yeah. you, you mentioned something there about when your buddies are getting like hotel permits and being able to do that with multifamily properties. I'm hearing that a lot recently that short-term rentals, even though it feels kind of like the same thing as hotels, it's, it's really not, especially from a zoning perspective. Do you see kind of across the board that there's opportunities that if I have a three unit, a four unit, or like you mentioned, seven units or bigger, that most cities allow you to turn that from its zone short-term yeah, rental or zone multifamily yeah, to hotel? From what I've seen from my students and from from everything that I've talked to with with everyone in my community, I mean, we, we go to the same conferences and everything and talking to people that are doing the larger stuff. It's easier to get that hotel permit than in some cities than it is to get that short term rental permit or that short term mm -hmm. rental complex permit. I, I've talked to a lot of people that like they just completely skirt. The, they don't even think about short term rental laws because they're like, I'm just getting this hotel permit. I'm getting this complex permit, um, which to me has like um, in my county, you can get a short term rental complex permit which is anything more than three units that are right next to each other. 
I've never gotten, I've gotten three of those. I've never gotten a no from my county and the, the board members is seven. So it's like, I've, I've gotten 21 to zero yeses on my complex permits. And that's for development. Um, but those have always been easier than if I, one, I can't get a permit in Asheville for short-term rentals, period. Yeah. It's like, but I mean, I can get that permit pretty easily. All right, listen up. If you are not using Price Labs, you are literally throwing money in the trash. Dynamic pricing is a must in our industry. If you don't know what that is, dynamic pricing is just a fancy term for supply and demand pricing. When demand is high, Price Labs will get you high price bookings. And when demand is low, it will fill up your calendar while the competition overprices themselves and leaves everything vacant. I was dumb in the beginning of my short-term rental journey. I thought I could do it all without Price Labs. So one day I just said, you know what? Enough is enough. I'm going to try this thing out. And immediately my income went up 15 to 20% on my listings. I really was kicking myself. I should have been using this from the beginning. So don't make the same mistake as me. Get started with your free 30-day trial at fearlesskyle.com forward slash price labs. Or even better, how about getting 25% off your first six months as a thank you for being a part of the STR six-figure formula membership? That's right. Go to fearlesskyle.com forward slash 6FF to become a member and claim that discount today. So have you ever heard of anyone getting a hotel permit for one house a single family house or oh, no or, i haven't no okay no I've, I've heard yeah. i heard some rumblings about that i and i don't know like a if, B, almost like a bnb is what you're saying like, like um i i don't even know but i i know someone who manages about 30 properties this was actually in san diego and she said that because they're all single family houses but they're under her management that she could get a hotel permit oh, for, for her entire portfolio because uh, yeah. she met some of the minimum requirements. And I was like, okay, that. Yeah, I've never, I've never heard of that, but I mean, it makes sense. So like yeah. in my state of North Carolina, you need to get a, technically you should have a real estate license. So, I mean, I've, I've never heard of that, but I mean, that's an argument could be made to the county for that. I mean, that is, that's just yeah, a that would, use permit. That'd be interesting to, to look more into. So like you're motivated, you're motivated to build your business to that exactly. scale. So, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So talk a little bit more about, the regulations where you're at. So I, I'm always, here's what I always look at. Like if I could not do short-term rentals tomorrow, then I need to know that that property is either going to be worth more than it's worth the day that I buy it. Uh, so adding some value or I can cash flow as a long-term rental. And then maybe if I wanted to get deep into the midterm rental space, I could potentially go there, but I'd like to see those two exit strategies along with short-term rentals right now. Is, is there, Anything that scares you with the way that your business model is set up, that if the city now expands to the county of Asheville, are you losing any of your business or have you set it up in a way with these different strategies and different permits that you're not, not going to be affected by that? When I first started the, the underwriting it as a long-term rental for, for those individual units, uh, where it's like onesie and twosies that are scattered. That's how we underwrote them. We underwrote them as long-term rentals just in case that happened. Nice. Some areas are so expensive, you can't do that anymore. When we got into those larger ones with those, I mean, those, I would be very surprised. When when Asheville changed their laws, they did grandfather the, the short-term rental permits that were already on file um, and they ran with the property. So it actually made those properties really valuable because if they sold them, they can sell that permit. So with our larger projects the the largest one has indefinite conditional use zoning that runs with the property that unless if something crazy happens which we will probably sue the city for they can't take that away um and then for our short-term rental complex permit properties i don't 
I, I would see I see them getting grandfathered in the same way they did in Asheville with the, with the permits. Um, so I'm not really worried too much there because our smaller properties were underwritten as long term rentals and they're unique in, in a way that we feel really confident that we'll cash flow something if we ever did need to to go that route. I would personally just sell them. Um, the reason why I keep them right now is just because they cash flow like crazy. I mean, that first A frame after all debt service and payments and all the expenses and everything. That one cash flows about last year cash flow fifty four thousand dollars net wow. after everything just and it's eight hundred wow. square foot a frame so we keep on I, I hold on to those one property that's in the mountain and, and we have a couple other cabins that are just like that too that do just a little bit less than that but I would sell them off because I mean I run those numbers all the time I'm looking at my perf- personal financial statement I'm going like okay this property is worth this much compared to like what what the debt is on it we could sell it and make this much but. I don't know. I'm I'm just in a point in my life where I'm, I'm I like the cash flow compared to just yeah. like cashing out completely. I don't I don't need to. Yeah. Well, I I think that's the key thing is that you underwrote these deals kind of the same way that I was talking about, where you know that if if anything goes, you know, if shit hits the wall, uh, then you're going to be good because it's going to be worth more than it's worth now. It's going to rent as a long term rental. I think you know a friend of mine just sent me a video on Instagram about. Kissimmee in Orlando and like, you know, how there's now double the amount of listings on the MLS in Orlando and in that area. And they're all, if you look at them, furnish short-term rentals, they're like, yeah, it's a great investment opportunity, right? But what happened there was everyone bought them and they only cash flow to short-term rentals. They're buying million dollar properties and there there's no way that this is going to yeah, work it's, as it's a, like, short, it's like a long-term com- rental. It's like comparing it to 2008 where people were just purchasing yeah. property on appreciation. They're like, this is going to continue to appreciate. And you're like, yeah, yeah you, you need it. I, I mean, with dealing even with these larger properties and talking to these more sophisticated investors, I'll tell you guys, the, the number one question that comes up is like, what's the exit? That's the first yeah. question that comes up. So that that's always what you should be thinking about is like, you never dream about your business ending or like selling a property, but you always have to be thinking about the exit in mind when in whatever business you're getting into, especially the vacation rental markets. I would would add one more thing to that too, which is I've always invested in properties that are more drive-in properties. So 15 to 20 minutes to downtown where they're a little bit more rural. When I first started, I did that out of necessity because I just couldn't afford being downtown. But I I think a really powerful strategy is to invest in the, you, you see it in the data. If you look at the AirDNA data, the rural markets are the markets that are doing better right now than the more centralized downtown markets. Mm. And I think it's a pretty safe bet. Again, it's the United States is really big. And then if you go global, it's even obviously bigger. So it, I don't like putting blanket statements out there, but it's pretty safe to say that you can invest in a short-term rental market that's historically been a short-term rental market before Airbnb and VRBO existed, where you had to pick up the phone to book a reservation. Those are always going to be good vacation rental markets. Again, doing your numbers and underwriting them properly. But historically, if it was a vacation rental market, like say 30 years ago, that 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 is a market that more than likely the the rules will never change in that market. So we've talked a little bit about underwriting and how that's changed. We've talked about regulations and how those are getting more intense. Uh, We've talked about a lot of different kind of how things have changed. But let's get that glass ball out. And let's look into the future, right? Let's yeah. let's be and give everyone a hundred percent guarantee that this is exactly what's going to happen, right? No, but but you know, giving our guests our best guess, where do you see this industry in? Let's just go with the short term, a year from now, 
three years from now, like where does this industry go and how are people going to need to adjust? Yeah. So I started making this prediction on bigger pockets was the first time I started talking about it last year in October. Um, and then I was talking about it on podcasts like early of last year as well, that I was making the prediction before Airbnb made their switch to their categories that people are going to be looking for more unique stays. That doesn't just mean the structure. I'm not telling you to go out and just dive headfirst into development the way I did. But there has to be something unique about your property, whether it be themed in a certain way or something that is not social media friendly. But again, it, it, it draws people in with the pictures. People are looking for more of a unique stay where the property itself is an experience outside of the city that they're vacationing to. Um, and I, I made that prediction last year in their summer update, like Airbnb broke the world with those categories that, that everyone still talks about. Um, but if you look at those categories, people can sort now based off of the unique rentals that mm -hmm. they like based off of unique rentals that they can book. Um, so I think that's going to continue going into your like next year, three years, five years. People people are looking for those Instagrammable properties, something that they'd be proud to put on their social media and show other people where your guest essentially turns into your little marketing machine to show their friends and their family and their inner circle and stuff. Okay. So unique properties. Is there anything else that you want to forecast? Yeah. I mean, the, the hot, I would say, we already touched on it briefly is, is treating your vacation rentals like a business. You're, you're, you're not in Airbnbs. You're, I look at it as hospitality. I, half of these books behind me, I'm not half of them. I'd say maybe 15 of them. They're hospitality books. They're, there's a really good book written by Disney called Be Our Guest that is just a hospitality book. So understanding hospitality principles, hotel principles on like just how to manage a hotel does correlate to your vacation rental business. Going multi-platform, getting like a property management software, you need to be on multiple platforms going forward, just more eyeballs on your property. So yeah. we talk about direct bookings all the time. And I know that, you know, you've got your direct booking site and First of all, really quick question. What percentage of your bookings right now would you say are direct? They're only about, I would say about 15 to 20% right now. Yeah, which yeah, is pretty probably. impressive. I feel like most people I ask that to, it's like five to 10%. So the, I'll the plug, biggest- I'll plug Boostly in there, Mark Simpson from Boostly. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, we're, we're, we're always good. talking about Mark. He's, he's the yeah. man. The biggest question I ask, or I get asked when it comes to direct bookings comes from fear of insurance, right? Like I don't know- if I have this direct booking, if that person throws a party or if that person does X, Y, and Z, I'm not covered with the Airbnb air cover, yada, yada. So talk to that really quick and how you tackle that in your own business. Yeah, there are services out there that offer that same exact insurance, if not better. Um, oh my gosh, I'm, it's, it's slipping. I'm, I'm not remembering the service that we use. We use safely. <sighs> Oh my gosh, there, there's another one that Mark Simpson actually, uh, the, he introduced me to the gentleman that owns the company. That's what we use. But yeah, I mean, Safely is another really good one. Um, this company will read, I don't know how Safely does it, but they'll they'll reach out to the guest for you. Like the same, like uh, Airbnb for the most part makes you do it. They they make yeah. you reach out, tell them what damage they've done. And then if they deny it, then they step in. This company, those types of companies handle all of that. So yeah, I mean, the, you can get those exact policies, if not better for a fraction of the cost for yeah. it's called super hog it just it just came i was i was gonna hog. ask if it was super hog yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice but uh yeah so um yeah that's i mean it, you can just get that insurance relatively cheaply um and it that that helps you sleep at night as well because you get to it's it's a they go through a vetting process and if you're using a boostly site again i'm plugging them again um that you can um 
I mean, they're, they're integrated pretty easily with, with their sites. Cool. Uh, I was about to ask this question, but Joe just commented with it. What other platforms are you listing on? So you got your direct booking, you talked about VRBO. I heard you mention Expedia and Airbnb. Is there anything else? Yeah, booking.com. Um, Expedia, you can get on. I forgot what their threshold is. I don't know if it's three, four. We just, we, the first time we stepped into Expedia was with a, a seven unit property. Um, but they they look for properties that are that are like almost like micro resorts or hotel boutique hotel type properties. Um, but in my opinion, Expedia is like either above Airbnb or just slightly below because of how many other channels they own. They own mm -hmm. Hotels.com. They own VR. They own VRBO flat out. Um, and they they obviously they they're Expedia.com. But yeah, I I'm I'm listed on those other sites. If you guys have never heard of. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called House. Is it House.com? There are free direct booking sites out there that you can put your property on. And then that's how I started. I started with using StayFi, which is like an email capture tool right. um, in the property. Um, and then we, remar we remarketed to them through StayFi to that free direct booking site. There you yeah. go. And just to pause really quick, guys, if you're listening here live in the Six Figure Formula or if you're listening on recording on the podcast or YouTube channel, we're mentioning a lot of these softwares and a lot of yeah. these partners are actually discount partners with us in the six figure formula. So Boostly, Safely, uh, StayFi, AirDNA yep. for uh, underwriting your deals. All of this is here. You get discounts, exclusive discounts. So make sure you're checking those out. If you're not a part of the six figure formula, go check it out. FearlessKyle.com forward slash six FF to get those discounts. All right. And so they're, unique they're properties. We use guys. So yeah. Say that again. They're all services we use like in our business. Yeah. So, yeah. And the majority of people need to use them. Uh, at, at least AirDNA and Price Labs right out of the gate if you got your first property. All right. So unique properties, keeping up with regulations and being multi-platform. This all sounds like stuff that I know we're talking about with a lot of high-level coaches, a lot of high-level operators. A lot of them are talking about what, what do you see if tomorrow... Airbnb just disappears, right? They they get sued, they're gone. Do you see your business the way that it's currently structured being able to survive? And if not, what do you need to do right away to make sure that it does? Yeah, so it, it's the whole idea of like digging your well before you need it. We've been collecting emails through StayFi since uh, since yeah. the first time I heard of StayFi in 2018, 2018, 19. So it's like we've been building that email list ever since then. Um, we would we would literally just crank. I mean, we're we're continuing to do that right now. Our goal is not to rely on the OTAs. I mean, that that is Mark Simpson's message from the beginning. But just outside of that is again treating it like a business. You're you built you're building an email list with your previous guests, and then you're remarketing to them and treating it like a business to a direct booking site. Where the goal is to not rely on the OTAs completely. So that that is what I would do if everything went to crap tomorrow. Is just accelerate that and start marketing even heavier through through the SMS and through the email marketing and whatnot that StayFi already offers. Awesome. All right, Alex, is there anything that we didn't talk about that you want to make sure to talk about? I know you've got a deal coming up. You want to talk about that for a second? Yeah, man. Yeah, uh, we're in the middle of raising. Um, it's it's a in my opinion, it's the top vacation rental property in the country right now. I don't know if you guys have. I'm sure some people have seen it. It's gone viral multiple times on social media, but. Um, it's a treehouse community right in my backyard here. Um, there's seven current units and they're building out another 13 with a wedding venue. 
And uh, we're, we're in the middle of closing that right now. We have it under contract. We've done all of our due diligence, appraisals, inspections, all that fun stuff. We've been negotiating yeah. it since February of this year. But um, that one, I'm not going to say what the price tag is on that right now because it'll give people a heart attack. But uh, we're in the <laughs> middle of, uh, we just built out an entire website that was actually built by Boosley just for the property itself. Uh, and then we're in the middle of raising the money. So that website is openatlas.investments, no.com, just openatlas.investments. If you guys are listening to this live, it, it, it's not live yet. It will go, the website will go live this Friday. Spell that out for me. Uh, open Atlas. Atlas, uh, so like, a, like a map atlas. Yep, open atlas and then dot investments with an S. Open atlas dot investments. Yep. Yeah, open atlas is our uh, management, our rental and two separate, same name. Open Atlas Rentals, Open Atlas Investments. Okay, cool. So we're recording this on August 16th. You're saying this will be live by August 18th? Yep. Cool. I just put that in the comments, guys. Uh, for those of you that are listening to this on recording, hey, it's already live because we released this a couple weeks after we record it live. So openatlas.investments. Go check it out if you want to be a part of this deal. We're, you're, you're saying that it's this thing has already gone viral a few times, so what would we Google search? Just Treehouse, Community, Nashville? Yeah, so, Nashville. Um, if you, so I don't know if you're a Harry Potter fan. I can't speak on it um, because they've actually been slapped a couple times by Warner Brothers, but they have a they have two Harry Potter treehouses. One that is okay has a 20-foot slide in it. It's a tent that slide and then down that one's oh, cool i think that one has over 30 million views on tiktok that's gone viral like four or five times one another thing we didn't talk about is just like with these unique properties how tapping into social media marketing and social media influencers like traveling influencers we're doing that very heavily on one of our properties already we're we have six figure a six figure budget a year set aside just for this property alone uh but this property has been covered by mike Ianetta, levi kelly all the all the bigger influencers um, and they, they've already been out there. I flew Mikey and Etta out to, to film the investor video for this property. That, that came out really, really, really well. That's yeah. awesome. Well, Alex, uh, where else can people find your content? We talked about Bigger Pockets, but what about Instagram? Any social handles? Yeah, Bigger Pockets. Um, that, that's, that's where the, the social media that are the social media channel I'm, I'm most uh, involved in. LinkedIn, you guys can look me up. Um, I haven't been posting as frequently as I should be on YouTube, uh, but you guys can look at my uh, personal Instagram channel, uh, just Alex Jarbo. Just Alex Jarbo. Just really simple. Cool. Yep. All right, Alex, thank you so much for helping our audience to conquer the world of short term rentals and looking into a glass. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, look, looking into the future for us. <laughs> I'm glad. Yeah, yeah, man. Uh, all nice. right, man. Well, uh, and for those of you that are in the six-figure formula, we're going to keep it right here. I see all of your questions. Alex is going to answer those. If you are not, what are you waiting for? Jump in so that you can be in this exclusive group and ask people like Alex questions every single week when we have them on the podcast. Thanks for being here, Alex. Oh, thanks, everyone. So again, that website is already live for you. It's past August 18th. That means it's ready to be viewed. So go check it out if you're interested in being a part of that deal with Alex over in Asheville. That's going to do it for us right now here on the Fearless Investor Podcast. We're helping you to conquer the world of short-term rentals. We'll see you next time. Hey, Fearless Investor community. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Fearless Investor. If you haven't already, please subscribe and leave a five-star review. And for more free content, check out my YouTube channel, also called The Fearless Investor, and our website, www.fearlesskyle.com. Until next time, keep on conquering the world of short-term rentals.